Bob, howdy, and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, Ernest Extra number 11, Even More Ernest Goes to School. I'm Aaron. this is David. Hello, everybody. And we are back to dive even deeper into our pseudo-intellectual analysis. We're going into the bowels of the school building, checking out the boiler room. Happening upon a frightening <laughs> contraption that looks like Frankenstein's lab. Oh, that's right. I forgot there's actually something in the school basement in this film. That was a fun movie, David. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly the word I would use to describe it. So go back and listen to Ernest Goes to School if you haven't. We, we covered the movie, I would say, extensively. Don't we always? Yeah, but there's still always stuff we miss. There's always revelations that occur to me after we've stopped recording. Sure. So same here. There's always like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't. We talked about all of the parts, but the sum total is greater than the parts included. That goes for every Ernest movie, Dave. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's get right to it. Ernest goes to school. First thing I wanted to touch on, we went into a little bit already, but I just want to express my greater appreciation for the amazing opening montage. Express it, Aaron. It was amazing. And it was an opening montage. Now that I think about it, this movie does feel like the ads, the ads era. Oh, yeah. Because now that I think about it, there were a lot of long shots in this movie Mm. that involve specific blocking and choreography. Like people have to hit their marks at the right time. And Mm, then that's like every movie, but... For earnest movies, that again starts to get lost later. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like comparatively that Rides Again had a lot of that kind of no, stuff. No, 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 no. So it was really impressive to me, and I especially appreciated it in the opening montage because there are extremely long shots that are like panning over the marching band. Sure. I think there's one. There's pans like past the football team, past the marching band. And it's extremely wide shot, and then Ernest is also in the shot. Oh yeah. And like after you see the marching band, you're still panning over, and then you see Ernest, and he actually does knock someone into the shed. <laughs> that he later knocks Rodney oh, into. interesting. And he's carrying a flag and like twirling it around kind of like it's a baton. Right. Foreshadowing his role as drum major. Interesting. Drum major to the stars. That whole opening has so much foreshadowing. It's like Back to the Future. Wow, that's, I'd never thought about it's these things. It's a really good opening montage. I would suggest you watch it again and just appreciate how much setup there is for the entire movie. Like I appreciate the effort. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Effort was made, and it pays <laughs> off. As always, we appreciate when there is an attempt. <laughs> yeah. Erin, can I talk about one of my favorite characters in this movie? Absolutely. So- <laughs> can I guess who it is? Ooh, is it the pig that we didn't talk about? It is not the pig we didn't talk there about. There was a pot-bellied pig we never mentioned. That's true. No, it's actually um, the adorable school lunchroom uh, oh. chef guy. So first, I just want to say, every time I watch that scene with him, I cry. Meatloaf man? Yeah. Do you actually cry? I, I shed a little bit of a tear because it's just like, <laughs> oh, no. he is so just like, you know. I think this podcast has softened your heart. Maybe a little bit. I, I don't want to overstate things, but he is very earnest in his like in his meatloaf in his meatloaf lo- and he's just yeah. like yeah i like food i'm here to, i'm here to I'm serve just here you guys to serve the students he, he's yeah exactly we got ketchup that's what i like to eat it with yes i bet you do that scene and the way Ernest acts in it uh, like a jerk. Yeah. Uh, made me think more about something that we have talked about in the past and like an interpretation that I've had of like Ernest's, why his brain does the things that it does. Sure. Specifically like Ernest's motivation. I've said before that he finds himself in certain situations and like something in his brain is like, oh, I'm in jail. This is how people act when they're in jail. This is what the things people in popular culture say. 
And so, you know, we were talking about how once his brain gets supercharged, his personality doesn't change. Right. And I think that's accurate. But it's influence. But because he now thinks of himself as smart, he's like, oh, this is what a smart person yeah. would order for lunch. Would you happen to have any sauce bonnets for this meatloaf ordinaire? Fresh cilantro? Picante salsa? It's not necessarily that, like, it makes any sense or that it's even something Ernest would like. It's more just like, oh, now I'm a smart person. Let me order the smartest sounding thing I can. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that's why I think the accent is affected and like everything. Oh, is absolutely. Affected. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote down Ernest's uh, brain's internal monologue. So not Ernest himself, but what his brain is thinking. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, this is what a smart person would ask for with lunch. Fresh cilantro or whatever. This is how smart people treat others. Or at least this is how the people in my life who I think of as smart and who think of me as dumb treat me. Yeah. I still am not like on board with your whole Ernest finds himself in a situation and like acts the way he thinks he should. But I would agree that it's based on what he thinks smart is and right. how smart acts. Yeah. Or he has like sort of cultural touchstones for certain types of people or certain types of situations. Even his accent like calls back like what movies he must have watched. Like where does he get that way of speaking that makes no sense? The, like his smart voice, do you mean? Or yeah, just, his smart yeah, yeah, yeah. voice. Yeah, that's a great question it, <laughs> from popular culture, I would imagine, or and, from the movies. And now that I've kind of rewatched certain scenes, mm -hmm. I am now really convinced that his clothes never did change. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that completely. <laughs> because like when he's first gets the brain acceleration he suddenly has the glasses on and like the long sleeve shirt and he says something quote-unquote smart and then he immediately turns back into Ernest and says am I smart now and he's just wearing his clothes again yeah so I don't think he was wearing different clothes at all I think he was just dressed as Ernest the whole time yes but we're kind of seeing the way he's seeing himself Oh, that's an interesting specific point about it. Seeing him the way he sees himself. I like that. We haven't really even gone into like how reliable a narrator is Ernest. Is he an unreliable narrator? To what extent? This is always this thing of like, is Ernest lying or not? And I don't think he is. It's not is. a picture of lying, but it's... a matter of like, what do the Ernest goggles show you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's how not does like his, he's how making does his it weird up. Brain he's just, how is he things? interpreting things? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think mainly what we see is honest. Sure, sure. But sometimes it goes an extra step further. Well, you know, it always kind of makes me think of like that part of Ghostbusters where they're interviewing uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and Egon is like, she's telling the truth. At least she thinks she is. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like Ernest. He's not lying. Oh, no, but, he like, doesn't lie. Things that have happened to him are so crazy. <laughs> yeah. That when he tells the truth, it sounds like a fabrication. But then you see scenes where it's like power tools are chasing him around a construction site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, you're like, like, oh, yeah. Oh, I understand now. Yeah. You live in a crazy world. Ernest lives in a different world than the rest of us. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this movie is honest in like everything that we are seeing. It is happening. It's just oh, that sure. I think his costume is kind of how he's it's for our benefit. And then like when he sees the lady dressed as a Nazi. Right. Uh, that's in his head. So here's a question. In Ernest Scared Stupid, is all of the characters mm -hmm. in the garage... The various is, costumes. Uh, see, I had said, oh, that's Kenny's synesthetic interpretation of how good Ernest's acting is. But maybe Kenny just sees Ernest <laughs> and Ernest is seeing himself as those characters with I the costumes. Think I think it's a coin toss there. Oh, I mean, I think Ernest is definitely picturing that. Right. Whether or not Kenny is also seeing that is kind of up for debate. Well, he is on Team Ernest, so... I think Kenny might well, see Maybe it. once you start doing John Wayne impressions... 
The, You're uh, infected. Yeah, exactly. It's like some sort of sickness. <laughs> there was a scene that I thought was amazing that we didn't really have time to really dig into. But I do want to go more into when smart Ernest is turning back into oh, yeah. Ernest Ernest. Yep. Like it's some of the best stuff in the movie. And my favorite scene in the entire movie is the scene where they give him a half dose of the brain acceleration. And during his report on Seward's folly <laughs> in history class, he starts turning back into Ernest. But in a really disturbing way where he's, he's reading it and then he starts just going blah, 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 and, he, and then where it's like habits we have yeah he's like no sewers the year and the whole class is laughing <laughs> but like the way that it gradually devolves into just sounds like by yeah. the end of that scene he's just going wah, 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 wah. like it's just sounds and then yes. it cuts to him re-entering the right. secret science lab in the bottom sure. of the school like we all had he's going back in there and he's just going it's just Jim yeah. Barney making sounds. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's another situation where like the script just says, Ernest makes weird sounds <laughs> yeah. as he re-enters the underground science lab. Him walking into that room and just going, kind of broke me. In what sense? Like, I just, I was, like, kind of keeping a straight face, and then that broke. Oh, I see. So it broke your your cold facade. <laughs> yeah. You watch Ernest films. So I was like, no, like... this is just sounds. He's just making sounds. <laughs> like, this isn't, this isn't a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sounds. It is. Uh, it's a great scene. And, and like, just the whole, the, the devolving monologue. Mm-hmm is delightful to me. It's also disturbing because it's not like he just turns back into normal earnest and he's like, oh, I don't actually know what I'm talking about. No, he's just like, sir, his it's brain is like, shorting. Or like it leaks out or something. And he's he's just devolving mm. like into someone that doesn't have the power of speech. Devolving, it's scary. Just like in the, the Super, Super Mario, Mario Brothers, Brothers movie. <laughs> and, uh, that one's for you, Ryan. It's disturbing. Yeah. It's just sounds. Like, he can't even speak. <laughs> That's why I worry about the brain acceleration thing. When it goes away, it's not that he's normal. It's just that he is, like, messed up. Oh, sure. I'm sure. It's disturbing. I'm sure that machine did uh, Irreparable damage. Ir- yes, yeah, that's exactly the word I was going to say. Yep. I, you know, that might explain his behavior in the next three movies. Oh, dear. <laughs> he's not bad. He's just not quite as bright. Well, you know, speaking of other earnest movies and how they relate to this one, one of the other things I was going to bring up was after I talked about this being like a return to form, mm-hmm. like he felt like camp earnest, mm-hmm. I actually went back and listened to our camp episode. And uh, it made me realize that we actually picked up on a lot of earnest things very early on and then like the things that would be patterns yeah like the way that he is gung-ho about having whatever job that he's having or i noticed us mention elvis early and i was like oh that's interesting you know, you know it's interesting because we talk about Ernest and the way that he'll like drop things about his backstory like when i was uh, on the figure eight track oh yeah when i was on the football team like he, mm-hmm. he says these things like in a very cursory manner and then just almost like casts them aside like they're not important and it was yeah. it was interesting to re-listen to that camp episode because i almost felt like we were doing that like we were bringing up these things like oh it's a joke oh that's hilarious or oh whatever it's weird to listen to that now and then be like oh no okay there's a pattern there and we kind of had tuned into it without even being aware that we had tuned into well, it like the how seriously he takes his jobs and stuff like that just like everything well it does kind of feel in the grand scheme of things that this movie specifically to me stands out as like a culmination or like what's the word like the highest concentration of earnestness the apex? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what I was thinking? Uh-huh. Yeah. The apex where like 
patterns that we've been observing in other movies with Ernest's behavior are present here. And our summation of Ernest in this movie was that he was just Ernest. Right. Because it does feel like this is like the boiling point of all the Ernest stuff, like get Ernest issues with being smart. I wonder, I mean, I wonder, because I mean, every movie is a culmination. Maybe one of the reasons that the camp episode feels very like cursory and disjointed is because it's the first movie. And it's like, well, of course, there's no pattern yet because there's not enough movies for there to be a pattern yet. Of course not. Uh, But I think you're right. Something about the specific plot point of Ernest and intelligence and how those two interact is something that makes this feel like a culmination of all the earnestness that we've sort of been discussing. Especially after, like, Scared Stupid, the way that that movie treats his intelligence and Ah, treats him as a uh, thoughtful, smart person or not. Depending on how you look at it. Or depending on who you ask. If you were to ask us, we'd say this shows Ernest is brilliant. Oh, sure. If you were to ask the Ernest Brain Trust, you could get a very different answer. Or if you'd ask the people of that town. (laughs) Yeah. You questioned whether Ernest might be an unreliable narrator earlier. Yeah. Is he the narrator of these movies? I mean, their story is about him, but is he necessarily the one telling them? Like, are they from his point of view? I, I guess think so, in some so far as we are, follow his story. They aren't. Yeah. In some movies, he's not at all the narrator, it feels like. Sure, it especially like when he's more a, of a supporting character. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. But in Ernest Goes to School, I feel like maybe that's another reason that I feel like it's the apex Okay. Movies because this Just keep one, using that word now. I feel like in Ernest Goes to School, we are the most inside his head, like more than we mm. ever have been. That's true, too. Like we yeah. see his things that he's imagining, and like it's it's very obviously like Ernest is imagining this. It's not right. like, is this real or not? Like the cowboy. Oh, like man. you just see that Ernest has little thought bubbles and you see what he's imagining. Yeah. And I feel like in this movie, more than any other, you are like in his head. Sure, sure. So, I don't know, maybe that's why. Yeah, no, I think that's valid. Again, this movie centers almost exclusively around Ernest's relationship to his own brain. Yeah. So it, it manifests itself both in a a way that's like we sort of pick, can pick it apart as a story conceit, but it also manifests itself as maybe trickling from his head into the, the ephemera in terms of what we're seeing on screen. Yeah. I mean, that lady was definitely not dressed as a nut. <laughs> so that was him. The lizard tongue, now, 100% real. Yeah. Or was it? We'll never know. This conversation is becoming more high concept than I thought. Uh, that's what we do. <laughs> what else? There's something I wanted to point out, which is at some point in the movie, when Ernest is playing football. Football. And they've used the new brain accelerator on him that makes him really good at football. Football. He turns into a robot. Does that happen? Very briefly, like Jim Varney is on the field. They throw a football at him and he actually goes like beep, beep, beep and like makes these robot motions and then catches the football. He's so charged that he literally... Is this like a Superman 3 situation? That's what I'm asking. Did they charge him so much that he turned into a mechanical being briefly? Was it like Jim Varney saying, oh, I know, I'll play this as a robot, and then he just forgot for the rest of the time? Yes. That doesn't... I mean, (laughs) far be it for me to try to figure out what was going on. So wait, in terms of our ongoing Venn diagram of the heads of Ernest and Jim Varney, is one of the things that's in the overlap giving up on trying to figure out what's going on in their head? No, we we will never stop trying to figure out what's going on in Ernest's head. But perhaps it is a... Jim Varney's like extra credit work that I'm not willing to do. (laughs) But like... I don't know, you get those five extra points on the big test. It is an acting choice, which is why I say Jim Varney. Like he chose to act like a robot when he caught the football. Mm. Why? Science. (laughs) (laughs) And it never happens again. It's just for that one shot that he goes, beep, beep, beep. (laughs) 
understand. Remember when we were confused about why he acts like Frankenstein when he gives him oh. the electric chair? I'm trying to figure right. out if it's a situation like that. He's and it's so putting, good at football. It's like he's a football robot. Well, he's being like programmed, actually. Oh. He's being programmed to be a great football player so that the so uh, that... the muskrats can win the, the second big game. Okay. So maybe in that so sense, he thinking he's about been programmed as a robot. He's being programmed. He's thinking about what it. What do people who are programmed do? Oh, those people are called robots. I'll act like a robot, said Ernest's brain. Or Jim Varney. Or Jim Varney. <laughs> Overlap. Whose brain said it? Whose brain is it anyway? Wait, is that like a, a new game show? Like, <laughs> whose, whose brain, brain said, said it? it? <laughs> <laughs> whose brain chose this? Welcome back to Whose Brain Said It, America's fastest growing quiz show. Was that an Ernest choice? Yeah. Or a Varney choice? I don't know. Yeah, no, we will never know. There was that... What else? We did also briefly touch on the fact that Ernest was wearing vintage football gear. That's true. Vintage from way before his time. That's the thing. Okay. You had a theory that it was actually one of Ernest's family members' football. I would believe that. Like Kit. Flip Worrell or something. You know. <laughs> Flip yeah. Okay. Yeah. I accept that. Flip Worrell, turn of the century Flip football champion. Football hero. Yeah. Okay. Writes itself, man. Flip war. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he inherited that from well, his... You know, it's tough because he does talk about his storied football history, but maybe it was the kind of thing where, like, Ernest joined the football team, he became Crazy Legs Warrell, and his, his uncle Flip was like, you know, Ernest, uh, I want to give you something. This is from when I was on the football team. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll bring you luck. And it was just his vintage football helmet from the early 1900s. You know what I also thought? What? Because they call Ernest Crazy Legs Worrell, you could also take that as foreshadowing for a slam dunk Ernest. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> Do I have to? Crazy Legs Worrell becomes very fitting. That's true. Yeah, I guess these are two. We had two kind of back-to-back -back vaguely academic movies, and now we have two back-to-back -back vaguely athletic movies. And, the, and they overlap. Mm, we need a new Venn diagram. I also remembered, speaking of our Jim Varney Ernest Venn diagram. Yes. I remembered that math, I believe, was also Jim Varney's worst subject. Oh, in real life. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And they were both very creative. Mm, both love acting. They're both consummate actors. Consummate actor. actors, yes. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. Oh, what else did I say about the ending? Actually, we left out a tiny bit of the ending. Did we? A, a little bit. Just something I loved. Okay. Which is that Ernest, when he makes that horrifying music box from his flugel. Yes. That makes a horrible sound. And then he takes it apart and takes the motor out and chews on it. And then he spits all the pieces into his hand and says, once again, the right, right tool, tool for, for the, the right, right job. job. He then looks around like he doesn't know what to do with the, the pieces in his hand and then he just puts them all back in his mouth <laughs> and that's how the movie and like to get rid of them right puts it back in his mouth and shrugs like oh. huh, that's as good a place as any it's the way that they all come out of his mouth and into his hand is delightful <laughs> like it's just it just like goes Wah! like they all sure. just fall into his giant cartoon hand hmm and then he's like, what do I do? I'll put them all back in. It's just like they just go in. It's just delightful. It's a delightful, stretchy face. So for once, you know, I feel like usually you're very uh, cautioning Ernest through the television against putting things in his mouth. But in this case, you, you found it delightful and endearing. Well, he'd already put it in his mouth. 
So the damage was done? The damage was done. (laughs) What was concerning to me in this movie was when he was picking up all his tools and saying goodbye to them. Right. Because some of those tools were very sharp. Sure. And he was picking up very sharp things. And I was just like, don't put that in your mouth. Don't put that in your ear. Don't put that in your nose. Don't put that in your... Don't put that anywhere. Sure. Like, I was actually saying that to the TV as I was watching it. Seems a bit excessive. It was sharp. Yeah. No. I don't think the coping saw would fit into any... The way he looked at it made me concerned. Because you were waiting for him to do that same shrug and be like, well... He was handling them. It's the goodest place as I. At any moment, they could go into an orifice in his face. And I was worried. But, you know, I think he knows enough not to put sharp things. One would hope. The the man's brain has been through (laughs) trauma after trauma. That's right. How he remains upright on a regular basis is something to be applauded. Yeah. And that's Ernest Goes to School. I'm sure we'll find much more to say. I feel like I'm going to have a bunch of refrigerator revelations. Oh, sure. Uh, The refrigerators in this movie? Top notch. I like it. (laughs) Me too. It was a good movie. I got to buy it. I just kind of wanted to touch on the Halloween past because we've been talking about Halloween. Oh, yes. Well, it happened. As it often does. You were there finally to witness my uh, I was there. Because you were not there when I was earnest at Comic-Con. That's true. That's true. I was out and about in other parts of the country. I think I put a couple of pictures. We actually shot. You have this app on your. On my iPad. On your iPad, right. That It's called the VHS camcorder. Yep. And we shot a couple of things with that, which was fun. Oh yeah, just I think the it best the best thing that we did was when you were just like when I was verning and trying to just like get away from you, and then yeah. you would just like pop back in well, the frame. Chasing you around was fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it we was, should have done more than more what? of that. I will say this, and also there other listeners were earnest for Halloween. Oh yeah, and some that really, was great. Some really good ones. He's a great Halloween costume. So um, I don't know if we've shared all the photos that people posted, but I'll get to it if we haven't. Check out the Facebook page if you haven't, because that's where we share everything that people post to our wall. Is there a way we can make like a gallery of that? Probably. Cool. Let's do an Ernest Halloween gallery. I still have way more pictures of myself as Ernest on Halloween Eve. You still need to post the Pretty Little Liars intro with Ernest. That's true. So that I can continue my headcanon of him getting his hand stuck in the coffin as it closes. And, And being Ernest is really fun. You can't not be happy. Oh, sure. When you're earnest, because you have to smile in order to be <laughs> earnest. And the smiling just makes you feel happy. Like pretending to be as happy and optimistic as Ernest is actually makes you feel as happy and optimistic as Ernest is. I mean, it's I'm, just like a wonderful state of mind to be in. I it, believe it was, they call that fake it till you make it. It made me happy. Yeah. I'll probably smile more just because of that experience. <laughs> well, when you just said that just now, it made me think of that bit from uh, Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain where the reporter is asking him like, hey, you ready for the big event? today and he's just like well sure what is it <laughs> he's just he's just like game for everything yeah he's like yep what are we doing I'm and i ready. said a lot of dumb things as earnest and that was fun i, sure. I misinterpreted a lot of what people said all of to your their annoyance. all of your malapropisms yeah i mean i tried i mean it's really hard to be earnest that's why i aimed for at earnest because he's not as smart but he's still he's still extremely smart actually even at earnest <laughs> is hard to reach because there's like two when you when you're earnest there's like two earnest there's like the dopey like saying dumb quote-unquote dumb things and then there's the theatrical like monologuing things where sure, he uses sure. all this like complicated wordplay sure the dopey stuff is easy to fake the other stuff not so much it's kind of happy go impossible lucky yeah nice thanks <laughs> no you were successful Everyone at saw that. um punnily uh mishearing and repeating back to people things that they were saying well, um, i would say what was it like to party with Ernest? did you have a good time <laughs> Uh, well, I was blind at the time, so... Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, you were daredevil, so you couldn't actually see me. You said all you saw was teeth. That's true. Which, I, I believe a lot of the photos of you were just like the widest, toothiest grin, <laughs> book of knowledge sort of uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. That's a good one. That kind of expression on your face. So in yeah. that sense, uh, success. There's a good picture of uh, you and I as um, Ernest and Daredevil, and you are making that exact face. And you did say I was an eight. I did, yes. In person. You, my rating Well, because up. I, you, you loosened up a little bit after you sort of got into the, the swing of the Ernest thing. Yeah. And I think that's important for, for Ernest replication is having fun with it. I think I, it was so much fun that I'm sad there's no reason to be Ernest more than one day of the year. Yeah. And I'm not one to repeat Halloween costumes either, so... No, that's true. Just to say a sad goodbye. Well, I think maybe not Halloween, but Comic-Con, I think, is a is an exception. That could happen. You never know. There might be a reason to drag out the denim vest again. I still want to do an earnest flash mob, and I don't know how we can coordinate that, but somehow it should happen. Just go do things as Ernest. Ernest goes to the local bank. Yeah, or Ernest goes to Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, dear. No, that'd be terrible. Ernest Just goes to... Never leaves the dairy aisle. Well, it was fun. I will post more pictures and make sure that I remember to share everyone else's Ernest Halloween photos. Yes. They were great. He's a great costume. I recommend it. My favorite was the one where it was a, I believe, a father and his child. Oh, the vine. Somebody posted a vine. And it was just like, I can't remember the caption, but the kid was having none of it. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. What's next for Ernest Goes to Podcast? What's coming down the pike, Ern? I almost called you Ernest. Take from that what you will. We can't go right to Slam Dunk Ernest. First, we have to make a stopover into the world of... Wait, whose world? Your world. Mine? Oh. As I see it. Uh, I see. Yeah, next up is Your World As I See It, the confusing compilation of ad-like gags. Never stop having questions. Featuring Aster Clement. Yes. Who, you know, we kind of spent some of Ernest Goes to School with, if you think about oh, it. Oh, that's true. That's true. So he, maybe Jim Barney was just in a very astery mood that year. Well, are they the same year? I believe so. Oh, interesting. I actually love your world as I see it. As much as we say these things are insane, that doesn't mean I don't love them. In fact, I love insanity. It's just what I would expect a common person to say. They're easily entertained. Yeah. Thank you for listening, listeners. I'll see you next time. Well, we won't see them because audio podcast. I'll imagine that you're listening next time. Cool. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Viva LaVarney. Viva LaVarney.